Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ant. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. Ant, what is happening this week? Please, you tell us. Well, Fred, have you ever wondered, if you were a vegetable, what vegetable you would be? Pretty much on a daily basis, actually. I had, I had never thought of it until our uh, guest in this episode, Mark from Self Sufficient Me, decided to answer with your prompting. Thank you very much. What vegetable I am? If you look at us, what, what, what vegetable do you think ant would grow? Oh, I reckon broccoli. <laughs> because well, that was more like a visual thing. Uh, oh, right. Upside down head of broccoli. <laughs> Remember, we also have Change of College, which is going to help you become an even better YouTube creator. And you can find it at changeacollege.com. That's C-H-A-N-G-E-R college.com. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Mark Valencia. Welcome to Creator Generation. Mate, um, we kick off every Creator Generation podcast with uh, our guest introducing themselves rather than me ruining it. So can you introduce who you are and what you do? Yep. Okay, I'm Mark Self-Sufficient Me Valencia. I run a YouTube channel and website called Self-Sufficient Me. And basically it's about how-to DIY, keeping chickens, gardening, all these sort of self-sustaining, self uh, reliance type, not prepping, but just trying to be a little bit more self-sufficient. I love, I love that. Not prepping? No. Not yet? No. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, I could tell you a bit of a, I don't know if it's a funny story or not, but the ABC a couple of years ago called me up, 612, and they said, um, uh, we, and they, I didn't realise this, but they'd been talking to an ex-SAS guy who set up a prepping uh Type of area down in in Queen in uh, near Mullaney, I think it was, where he would grab people in that wanted to prep for the end of the world, mm. and uh, they brought me in next as someone who would confirm this type of <laughs> uh, th- this type of movement that's coming along because they looked at my website and I had no idea what she was talking about, <laughs> and I totally threw her because I said no, I'm not I'm not into to prepping in that regard, not for the end of the world, but yeah, if it comes along, I'll be better off. But no, that's not my main purpose. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah she, it wasn't the best interview I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> You're both trying to figure out why you were yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like this interview. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fred and I are still wondering why the hell we're here. So. <laughs> um, well, that's, I, I, that's very rude. We're here to, to talk to Oh, you. yeah. No, no, I don't. Oh, it's more an existential crisis than. So you mean why we're, why are we here? here in, in like. The, well, this and let's not go there. Because I'm fairly comfortable. Have you with been that. talking DNMs? Uh, before he, this? He, he has had yes. Okay. Last, last night, last <laughs> night we had some very interesting conversation. Ben Johnson, shout out to you for solving the world's problems with me. Well, let's bring it back to Mark because he's infinitely more interesting than me. Um, was it self sufficiency first, or was it at the same time telling people uh, you know, like were you discovering it and sort of sharing your journey? Like what what came first, um, telling people about it or being yeah. I mean, I've always had an interest in self-sufficiency. That's why I joined the military in the first place. I mean, my grandfather and I used to go fishing. Um, I didn't have a real dad, so I, um, my father left when I was just a baby. So I got born. It was in the April fields of Lightning Ridge, and uh, it was a Yugoslav at that time, Yugoslavian, uh, from Croatia, that region. And uh, yeah, it was one of those things where he uh, got cold feet, buggered off real quick, and my grandfather tried to find him, and my grandparents tried to find him, could never, and uh, that was 
And the last, the next time I saw him was when I got married at uh, 28. And uh, by chance, an uncle of mine, he had gone back to Lightning Ridge, the Opal Fields there. My uncle was visiting, recognised him mm-hmm. 28 years later and said, did you know that your son's now getting married and he's, uh, he's in the military and he's got a really uh, interesting and, and, and happy life? And he said, oh, I've got so much regret over that and wanted to reconnect with me. Mm. And so he's, he's uh, called me up, gave me $1,000 for our wedding, <laughs> reconnected, and it was like an awkward big hug in the opal fields of Lightning Ridge, uh, and uh, only for him to then disappear again and never mm. respond to not even any Christmas cards, being Christmas time of year. So you think it's quite sad. But it's not because my grandfather was such an influence on me. He was a World War II vet, fought the Japanese in New Guinea, got malaria, was just a survival, and he was a farmer too. Uh, and he taught me a lot about fishing, a lot about using my hands, a lot about veggie gardening and all that type of thing. And that inspired me to go into the military because I thought, what would, I just don't want to do anything else. Um, I was a bit of a, a bomb out at school. Actually, I was a, quite a rebel and... Uh, <laughs> Don't tell my kids that. I hope they're not listening to this. <laughs> they won't listen to this. And, uh, yeah, uh, so I was a fair rebel. And no one – but the only thing I could hold on to, well, the only thing I could think of that I'd be probably okay at would be a military career where I'd be – my thought then was outdoors, helping people, um, in the bush, uh, self-sufficient uh, type thing. And uh, it turned out to be a, a, a job that was very – very much like that. So that's why I spent 21 years in it because I was overseas a lot. I had to survive once a few times in the Sahara Desert. I was attached, uh, I was in a military unit called Civil Liaison where we, where we travelled up the, the north coast of Queensland, up Cape York Peninsula, across Arnhem, Arnhem Land. And all we did for two years was uh, speak to Aboriginal groups, um, pastoral owners, and our dress of the day was some army green shorts, boots, and a, and a PT T-shirt. And uh, we just had a great time fishing and having a good time up there. Mm. But it was relevant and, and interesting, and we were, we were trying to explain to those people when an army exercise came through what would happen and where we were going, and we marked uh, special sacred sites in Aboriginal communities where the army was not to go. And, uh, you know, I had a great military career, and then when I left that, um, because our boys were uh, really young and one day Nina and I were at the front gate, we'd already bought our acreage, only three acres north of Brisbane, but we were commuting back into Inogra and it was an hour commute and, and it was tough. Nina was managing a, a healthcare centre. Uh, she was responsible for about 6,000. In, mili- in the military In the military, too, yeah. in the military as well. Yeah, a mm. warrant officer. So she was very busy. I was a squadron sergeant major at the time, um, so you know I had about 120 or 130 troops that I was responsible for, from from that type of thing, taking them for physical training, um, managing their welfare, uh, doing parades, uh, that type of military stuff, which you do as a, a sergeant major. And I was at the top of my career there, a little bit way to go. I could have commissioned and gone further, um, but we got to the front gate, and one morning I said to Nina, "Look, this is madness." We're dropping our two young boys. One's just a baby off at childcare, and then you know at dark, then we're picking them up at dark. Um, one of us really has to stay home, you know. And I'm looking at her, and she looked at me, and she went, 
well, it's not going to be me. <laughs> I expected to say, yeah, okay. <laughs> I might stay home and you continue working. And then I just, she just flipped it on me and I went, well, bugger it. I'll give it a go. What do you think? And we discussed it more later that night and we thought, let's just take the gamble. Let's just do it. Two, two fairly good wages dropped to one essentially. And uh, so what I had to do was then use our land to survive this modern world where groceries are so expensive, um, the cost of living is continually rising, and it's even worse now, I think. Mm. And, I, and so I, I went crazy in my <laughs> spare time between looking after kids, changing nappies and that. Every spare moment I had was working in the veggie patch, growing my own stuff, and before long, we had this flourishing garden, food garden, and we had chickens, quail, uh, keeping ducks, and we were getting meat from them. And so we had this, this food going, and we were saving money. It took a while, but then after, you know, after the initial setup costs, you save money because you can you breed your own animals, you can save your own seeds, you can make your own compost, and it becomes this cyclic thing that actually saves money. So, yeah, initial setup costs um, can be a little high for people. Um, yeah, and it may not be, depending on how you set up. You might just, uh, like, initially, we just dug holes in the ground. We didn't have raised garden beds like I do now and, and, and change things up. We, we just started off as plain as we could. And that, that got us through a good couple of tough years where, you know, money was slim and monetary pressures were high, but our, our, our living standard um, were, was higher because we, were, we had more time as a family. Nina could just worry about work, and she does very well, and she progressed on, and I could just hold the ground. But then people started getting interested in what I did. You know, They started saying, how did you grow this? Is it hard to grow that? Um, how did you make this? Um, preserve and uh, Nina kept hearing the same thing over every barbecue <laughs> well this is the recipe for this and I'm all excited about it one day she said Mark I'm fair income you're driving me crazy <laughs> these barbecue things with you telling the same thing over and over again I tell you what here's an easier way get a website call it something I don't care what you call it but then when, you say, when someone asks you, how do you make this beetroot chutney, say, well, the recipe's here. <laughs> and that's it. That's fine. That's all they want to know. So, oh, yeah, okay. So I did that. Started getting a following online. And then, yeah, 2011, started my YouTube channel and uh, tried my best at that. And it was uh, awful. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> awful. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, how, how did it all? So you decided, okay, I'm going to put it. Get uh, it was awful. Let's, uh, Mark is a very good YouTuber. Yeah. Like, it was. It no, it no longer is. But how did you start? I mean, um, you have said before you, you're not a very technical person. You weren't a very technical person. Still not. Yeah. And how did you go from like? How did you start? What did you do? Well, just doing. Yeah. So I just, thankfully. I, if I not to put tickets on myself, thankfully I had the courage just to start. And I was like, I remember my first video, I was really scared talking into the camera because it was really unusual to me to look into a lens and talk at it and then try to think 
at the same time. It was distracting mm-hmm. and uh, I jump cut it a lot and even that, I don't know, if I probably made it look worse, <laughs> the jump cuts, because of my editing style at, back then. It wasn't crash hot. Um, and, yeah, so it was a mess. It was um, how to cook quail on a Weber barbecue. I think that was my, my main first one. I think I did a goanna in the chicken tractor before that. and uh, But one video after another, I slowly started to improve my editing skills. Yeah, and, uh, and now I'm still not satisfied. I don't think anyone ever is a creator if you're editing your own stuff and you've got your own style and your own vision of where you want to be um but i have improved quite a lot if i look back at myself from those early videos which are still up there to now and i think it's a good thing they're up there i thought about taking a lot of them down but nina my my wife she said don't you dare (laughs) leave it up there and i think it is good it's a motivating factor to try to keep improving if i look back on videos i mean look not every video you do Everything I do is, is I try my best at. It's my best work of art, but not everything is the best video from other people looking in, you know. And then when you look back in 12, 12 months' time, even videos I did last year, I look back at them and, I, and some of them are very cringeworthy mm. and I wish I could have fixed things up, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, but I just kept improving through just doing and that's uh, that's all. and that was the same for my gardening and everything. I'm not a horticulturalist. Um, I should have been. I just didn't study for it. Couldn't be bothered. I just learned everything the hard way and the long way and trial and error. And I'm doing that with YouTube as well. I mean, yeah, I would glean like from you guys as much knowledge as I can and from other YouTubers. And I'm constantly studying YouTube and and Minecraft and to try to improve. But I'm not, you know. Apart from the change of course that I did, I haven't done anything else. When when you started twenty eleven, like you'd already had a a career, and then shifting gears. Like, how old were you when you? Were you happy to share that? Thirty eight when yeah. I when I left the military. Military, and yeah. then when you started YouTube, you were forty something. Well, it was so thirty. So two thousand and eight, I got out. Sounds like jail, doesn't it? Yep. <laughs> It is a bit like that because it's quite a move, leaving, yeah. leaving the military after 20-so years because you can get fairly comfortable and institutionalised. Um, and then, yeah, and then so 2008 and then three years of busting my ass, making all this stuff going crazy. And uh, 2011 started the YouTube channel because I just saw a future in it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So is that something that you were, you were, you were watching other things and yeah. seeing I could – do that or was it Nina saying Mark you can do this like what was the spark for you as uh you know to yeah. think oh well what you know I can have a crack at this yeah yeah I you know it would have been it was watching gardening videos and because yeah YouTube is that educational platform it's not all about happy cats and sad cats yeah yeah I, and I, and that that is that is how I I thought well I'm watching these guys go around in their garden, I can do that as well. And, uh, yeah, that's all I really thought about it. And I thought that uh, I could possibly entertain people and do a fairly good job at it. Uh, In the military, I was a recruit instructor. Um, I mean, 
I was an instructor in many things. I was a driving instructor as well. I was a coach, a, a weapons instructor, a weapons coach, a field instructor. Um, uh, I, I, I'd had formal training in teaching, so I thought that getting in front of the camera would probably be something I could do uh, fairly well. I just didn't realise I couldn't. <laughs> and so how did those first videos go? Well, they didn't go that well. They, I think they're up to a couple of thousand views still at this day. <laughs> um, but it, it encouraged me. I mean, when you're, you know, when you're just coming up, when you're just starting in YouTube, a few hundred views is a really good thing. Mm. Um, a lot of people. It think is. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. A thousand people. Imagine that, sitting in a room watching your content or something you produced. I think that's... I think everyone should be encouraged by that. Mm. And YouTube does um, allow people to start off uh, from nothing. And if you've got the right content uh, and... Uh, and and the, you know for what people want to see, and you present it in the right way, I think it doesn't take long for you to get um, noticed. Mm. You know, with the help of people sharing your stuff around and, and and that type of thing, and liking it, and YouTube then finding out by the length of time people watch your content, you must be interesting enough. Then they give you a bit of a try, and then before long, it might take a while. It took me years. I, you know, I started in 2011. It wasn't until 2016 that I had what you'd call a viral hit for my channel. Like a viral for me would be you're getting more views than you've got subscribers type thing. Mm -hmm. So I was very happy when um, one of my videos got picked up, but it wasn't until about six months after I'd made it that it all of a sudden just took off mm. and must have got shared around and everything. And then... I got a big influx of subscribers and my channel started taking off from there. So, yeah, um, I toured for quite a long time, putting out as best video, you know, the best videos I could, um, dozens of them before I got, I mean, I got noticed, but before I really had a slight, sort of like a big break. Mm. And what, that was very exciting. What was that video? Like, that was How to Grow a Ton of Lemons. How to Grow a Ton of Lemons. Yeah. I was, I was um, we're in Dubai, yeah, in the airport. And uh, I turned my phone on the Wi-Fi and it just went ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like all these messages and social media and, and I was like, is my phone being hacked or something? <laughs> why, why are people, why is, what's, what's happening here? And what's all the urgency? And uh, yeah, that video was going off and everybody was messaging me and it was very exciting. And I looked at my numbers and it was like a thousand subscribers in an hour. And this was just gold. Really happy. And yeah. do you know what had happened? Do you know how it got picked up? Um, no. No idea. Just that a few people must have started watching it and watched it maybe all the way through because it it's got some good watch time. It's about a 12-minute video and it had a good thumbnail. I haven't changed it. It's just me on the front holding a big bowl of lemons. But the lemon tree was in full mm. fruit. And it looked really good, even if I do say so myself. Because <laughs> you try to nail these thumbnails as every time, and I still, it's still hit and miss for me. I try my best to, with the knowledge I have. But just sometimes a thumbnail just nails it, mm. you know? And that one did. And I think that was the, the break that I got to get a bit more extra exposure. And from then it just flowed on. 
I'm a bit dry because I missus hit a kangaroo this morning. Oh dear. Five thirty. Yeah, on the way out. All right. So I had to go and finish it. Well, luckily it passed away before I got there. Uh-huh. She's saying it's still alive. It's trying to get up, and uh, so I uh, took the took my tools, yeah. towel, and everything. Got there, but it passed away. Right. Is the next video how to cook a ton of kangaroo? <laughs> no, but I did film a little bit of it. I'll see if I can work it in. It's probably it's probably what happens when you bury a kangaroo on a banana tree. Oh. Is that what you do now? when you when you're doing something around anything around that area? <coughs> do you think okay, well, I can film this? I can film this. So this would be good to film, and then you just film it. Yeah, yeah. If it can tie in with my theme, yeah, um, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. It's just something you always think about. I guess ten years ago you wouldn't have thought to like pull out your camera if you hit a kangaroo. Or... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't. But you have to be tactful for something like that. Yeah, look at Ant, Ant's laughing very away. He's, like, well, he's, he's very anti-animal at the moment. No, no. I, <laughs> this is a throwback to last night's dinner. <laughs> Ant's uh, very pro-meat. I'm not, not pro-meat. I'm just anti-pseudoscience <laughs> on <laughs> veganism and, uh, and well, game changes. I'm, I'm with you there. And you think I don't get... The crazies, mm. I get plenty of them, thinking that I'm one of them. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that more around uh, s- preppers, survivalists sort of things? Or is it also because a lot of more, more vegans, vegans and vegetarianism? Yeah, I'll get the, I thought you were a vegan, unsubscribed. <laughs> I get that quite a bit. Right. Yeah, because you, you know, obviously the eggs and the chickens and the, you know, yeah. you eat your birds. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't often eat the chickens or the ducks or the quail. Well, I haven't lately, but yeah, that's all part of it. But but we still we regularly eat always the eggs. Yeah, um, and even that's a no-no. Just mm. keeping animals is a no-no. Mm. But they just think that if they see just a few veggie gardening ve- um, things, they subscribe and then they find out later that I keep chickens. It's <laughs> So what is, wh- finish who, off kangaroos? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> no. no humanely, but, but that's the yeah, that's a humane yeah. activity rather than a yeah. I wouldn't. Oh uh, yeah, I wouldn't put that on. But uh, yeah, I did show digging, and that, and I had to dig quite a big hole. That's why I'm that dry. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought you were driving. I thought you were driving crying. Oh, oh. <laughs> the way you said it, you were, I'm so dry. Like you, you cried so much that you have. Oh, drunk. <laughs> yeah, crying. Oh, this poor bugger. Big, <laughs> big. I try to be former, strong for Nina. Yeah. <laughs> big former military man. Yeah, yeah. seen it, seen it all, yeah. done it all. Yeah, weeping over yeah. Skippy, yeah. Skippy's demise. No, I've eaten Skippy a few times. <laughs> Skippy, Skippy. I, I think the Americans who listen to this, they probably don't realize how, like, you know, here in kangaroo is probably more it's very common. Yeah, it, it, it is a little bit common. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, but, but well, but talk, talk <laughs> about your like your audience. Obviously, you get um, this idea of self sufficiency is is very popular, but there are lots of different types of groups and lots of different opinions, right? So you get the people who are like very militant about it, um, and then you get the people who just want to be you know a little bit more self sufficient, right? Yeah, yeah, you have to strike a balance, I think, and I think that's important if you want a YouTube channel to um, be more. Successful. I don't. I'm not sure about every area, but you still do have to appeal to a wider audience. Um, not necessarily all the time, but most of the time, I think. Uh, if you don't, you can. I mean, if you're 
you know, if you've got a narrow niche, that's fine. But you need to appeal to that everyone in that narrow niche. Mm. If you've got a broad uh, sort of niche like mine, keeping chickens, keeping quail, mm. which can be different things, keeping ducks, and they are different playlists on my channel. Um, gardening. Some people are just into the veggie gardening, and that's it. Um, but I, I think you've got to be careful, uh, yeah, to not isolate for too long that one audience. Otherwise, you start losing people. Mm. Um, and say, and and likewise in if if like if they're prepper, like a lot of preppers do, watch my channel, even though I'm not full on end of the world is coming. Uh, I do talk about cost of living but i'm more moderate mm. i don't think the end of the world's coming and i think cost of living is too high but i don't say by next week no one's going to be able to afford um bananas mm. uh, uh, because i just don't think it's that alarmism is necessary having said that i still do say and, and i'm an advocate for making you know making your own food and preserves mm. and growing your own food so but if i just went on that one crazy thing like prepping or or, or you've just got to grow your veggies or vegan, looking after you know what you can do as a vegetarian even or just a vegan, I think I'd lose people. Mm. And I, my most success has come from more, being more broad. Yeah. I mean, I like that's why I like your content. You've got like something for everyone. If you're generally interested in self-sufficiency, you'll find something there on the channel. Um, and then you'll find in an ongoing sense you'd, Keep you keep the people's interest, which is really good. Yeah, um, and that, that is good. But I guess you do get groups who are like, "Oh, I just want vegan, vegan ways." Well, right? yeah. Like, yeah, like your you've told us before um, about your quail fans. I think yeah. it's quail. I'm pretty sure it's the quail fans. Yeah, yeah. they're quite enthusiastic, aren't they? They are. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because I think earlier on, I've had I had more success initially. Like my how to build a quail pen, that that got quite a few views, about 110,000 or something. I don't know what's up to now, but earlier on, before the Lemons video, so it wasn't a big breakthrough thing, but I just started getting a following on that. And I think the reason why was because I started something different. People, like, I'd go to YouTube and I'd wondered how to keep quail. I liked eating quail and I wondered if it was easy enough to, to grow them. And it is. They're one of the fastest growing animals on earth. Mm. Within six weeks, you have a quail from egg to adult and they're laying eggs and so they, they breed basically faster than rabbits oh. yeah so I, I was very interested in it but people was taking were taking advantage of that keeping them in small cages even keeping them in apartments and i, I initially tried a swing set and i uh, and I'll, i repurposed an old kid, our kids swing set and i put them up high and uh, so they were safe and i was sitting in guinea pig hutches um and that was a better way to keep them but then it just wasn't as good as say a quail pen. It wasn't as humane. I didn't. I don't think. And I changed it. Then I made this video saying how to build a quail pen, and I showed and my reasons for the more humane way that I thought was a more humane way of doing it. And that video got some traction, and I got a quail following before I got a veggie garden following. But veggies are a lot more popular, mm. and I just had to follow that. That, that potch, because you follow the potch, you get to the opal. And that's what I was doing. I was follow the what? Potch, pot. <laughs> yep. this is, going you've got all lightning ridge on us, have yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, the potch is um, opal that hasn't formed yet. But if you keep following that, 
it eventually comes to what usually comes to a patch of opals, and that's where all the money is, of course. So what um, what miners do is they look for the pots first, and then they can either slow down and to follow that line in between the layers of of, of earth, mm. and then they they reach the opal, and that's what I was doing. I saw that veggies and fruit were more popular, and so I followed that for some time and. And I built a really good following then on the growing of the veggies and the fruit trees and, and that type of thing. I was just doing what I thought was the right thing and what more people wanted to see. Which you were doing anyway, right? You were in terms of your lifestyle and home. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. I had all that content there. I mean, I, I mean, I had all that stuff there, yeah. that knowledge, and I was doing anyway. I wasn't actually creating more fruit trees or more garden. I was just pointing to yeah. that area of self-sufficiency. Follow the potch. I, I like that. That's that's a good analogy when you explain it. If you, without explaining, it sounds crazy, but yeah. when you <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah. just from my background. Yeah. Brilliant. And you were talking before about your army skills. Like, how many? Like in your teaching school, how many of those translated across to what you do now? Well, I think explaining things and putting things in a logical sequence uh, and presenting although against a camera was very different, Mm. uh, extraordinarily different for me. I didn't think I'd be that bad or that scared. (laughs) I mean, you know, I had cameras and people. I'd I'd be giving speeches and and instruction to hundreds of people as a warrant officer, Um, you know, big units of people. And you'd get a bit nervous in that. uh, But, yeah, I don't know. It was just very different and awkward talking to a camera. It's not now for me. Um, but it did, it did help me because you naturally don't lose a lot of those skill sets, and uh, and and to be able to formulate that was an easier skill for me to transfer over, um, and to know how to teach those types of skill sets because I was teaching also recruits that had no idea about the army, um, and I spent three years as a recruit instructor, and I think that stood me in good stead for beginner gardeners and beginner food growers or beginner quail keepers. What about, like, we've touched on technically that you were like, that was something you were not at all familiar with. Mm. Um, what, like, what is it that you used to create your content? Well, what did you start with and what do you use now? Like, I think, like, we know that it's very interesting, I think, yeah, um, well, I started with a really um, old Sony camcorder and, I mean, my phone to begin with, which was awful back then in 2011, even, you know, it's shaky and uh, a lot of that uh, video of the the lizard goanna eating the, the chicken eggs in the tractor, the chicken tractor, a lot of that was shot on a handheld old phone. But then I tried to upgrade to this inexpensive Sony camcorder, which still is terribly grainy and, and awful. Um, and I, look, I only just got a new camera last year, was it 12 or 18 months ago? And it was a, it's a Sony 90, um, like a nice looking camera, worth about seven grand. And uh, that shoots a good, good bit of film. So you, for the majority of your growth, were on a, Cheap camcorder. That's it. Yeah. 
cheapy, cheap of the cheapest. <laughs> so anyone who says anyone who says you know they need good equipment, that's that's something, right? Cheap of the cheap of the cheapest. Yeah, camcorders. Well, before that, I did get some no-name um, off Deals Australia or something. Dig a mountain. Deals mega website, <laughs> and it was a no-name Chinese thing, and I sent it back because that was fair income worse than my phone. Right, and then I sort of went, oh, I'll fork out like six or seven hundred dollars for this um, Sony camcorder, and uh, yeah, it's, and when I look back now at those videos, you compare them to the the new ones, the the imagery was just terrible. Did it actually use digital tape or did it have cards? Uh, no, it just had an internal memory. Into, really? Yeah, right. yeah, okay. no cards, no. Yeah, but no, it wasn't tape. <laughs> it was real to real, Sonny boy. Yeah, yeah. But you, I mean, you like use Sony Vegas, right? Still had it. I uh, still today, yeah. and I like it, but because that's what I grew up on. Yeah. You know, I grew up on. Yeah. Um, I, that was the thing I could get wrap my head around. I tried Adobe, and I just look at it, and today even my eyes just go one way, and I. <laughs> My son, I've got an Adobe subscription to what's it called? The Creative Cloud. Mm. Yeah, the you know, my son uses all that. Luke, he he does his little, um, I shouldn't say little. He, um, his uh, computer um, gaming videos. You know, he's into that, mm. and uh, but he uses that, and also for their projects. My sons use uh, Adobe, the suite of things, but I just can't get into it and just the same for the imagery i used um paint.net um and yeah, for, your, for your thumbnails yeah, yeah for the thumbnails and to you know do images and and resize images and, and stuff i just can't i mean i, I think I've, i'm past it <laughs> i'm too comfortable now with, you don't, with it, vegas it, it's kind of like you don't need to by the yeah. by the looks of it like your channel growth i think we first met you two years ago about two, yeah. Bit over, maybe just over two years ago, and yeah. I think you're at just on seventy, not just on, but you know, or just over maybe seventy thousand subscribers. Or yeah, where are you? Where are yeah. you now? Um, I think it's about like four seventy, four hundred and yeah, yeah, yeah four hundred and seventy. So yeah, so yeah. in a, in a couple of years, using what you say, the cheapest a, a camcorder, camcorders, <laughs> and, and Sony paint Vegas, and Sony <laughs> Vegas. So I, th- I think it's a, a very, very, very good case uh, study to say that it's it's not a it's not all about no, the it's, technical. No, it's equipment. about making content what yeah. what people want to see. They they'll forgive bad video or poor lighting, and to an extent, poor um, um, sound. Though it does drive them more crazy, <laughs> I think. And for me too, poor sound is probably worse than mm. poor video. Um, but they'll forgive all that if you've got something that interests them. Mm-hmm. and that they really want to see through to the end, and that's where the video will become popular with the watch time. So do you see yourself as a, as a YouTuber? Is that what you call yourself? I just say a content creator when people ask me because I do blog and I do yeah. YouTube and I do posts for uh, Instagram and all that. What are, like, um, I mean, your kids are older now, and do they say, you know, what does your dad do? Oh, he's a YouTuber? Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a YouTuber and he knows the internet historian. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> hey? Wow. And, 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 Tom, and Tom Thumb, you know, you guys are... Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and Tom, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I think normally we have, um, 
uh, a lot of the YouTubers we talk to, they're talking to their fa- you know their, their parents stuff about being YouTubers. Mm. Um, it's where you have a YouTuber who has young kids who aspire to be what they want to be. Or uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. Uh, what about the ex-military people? Like, well, not ex-military, the current military, or, or your your former military people that you worked with. Yeah, knowing now what you do is like, do they understand? Yeah, well, initially they didn't. <laughs> I got a lot of blowback yeah. from family and friends and, yeah, ex-military, um, thinking I was going in the total wrong direction. <laughs> and and I was, you know, besides my wife, mainly, I, I can't think of anyone else really that supported me much more. Wow. Um, we were on our uh, lonesome for that. And what about now? Do they get it? Now everyone gets it. Awesome. Everyone loves it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, ex-military personnel, uh, they, I think a lot of them um, see it as a very different career after the military, but then opening that, that, that box up more and exploring other things that you could do, maybe in the online world, mm. because military people do have a lot of skills out there, a lot more skills than I did when I left. Um, you know, there are some very, very clever cookies that need to leave the military at some point. And perhaps the new digital age will give them some type of avenue for that. And I think that is fantastic. And if I can become a YouTuber and make a living out of it, which I am now, and, uh, and a fair living now too, but I've dedicated every, everything to it now because it really is consistent and I can make a living out of it, um, many people can make a living out of it. In fact, I got a, a visit from a, a high-ranking officer the other day and I, I won't I won't say who it was because I, I don't I'm not sure if he'd like that. But a very lovely gentleman um, works in Brisbane. I'm going to move soon down south. Still in the military. Still got uh, about eight years or so more left. But uh, he contacted me and asked before he left. He would just like to come and see the property and uh, and meet the man. And I, uh, I thought that was so. You know, such an honour for me. And I don't normally um, let, you know, vi- people visit um, for security reasons and also it's just probably not right for the family and that. Mm. But I made an exception, I said, for the brotherhood. Um, but it was a lovely visit and, uh, and it just made me think um, personally that uh, if someone like him can uh, enjoy my content and get something out of it and think that... Um, I might be able to do something like that when I leave. Um, I, I really, it really gave me a good buzz and gave me a, a lot of motivation. And that was just recently, it was just a few days ago. Yeah, so those are the type of things that do motivate me. Feedback from supporters and subscribers and, and, uh, and people in general and friends. And, yeah. and if, do you, how do you deal with the rest of your fans? Do a lot of them want to meet you? Have you ever had, met a lot of your fans before? Um, well, I need to do more on that part. I think I need to. I mean, I try, I sit down for hours answering. I get about 7,000 comments and messages and emails a month and you just can't answer them all. Mm. But So after a video, I will try the next, the, that same day or the next day answer as many as I can questions. Uh, I, I'll try to get through the whole list and uh, it can take me hours and hours, eight or sometimes a whole day session. Um, and I think it's important to try to answer as many as I can because they're the people that, that share your stuff around. They're the people that support you. You should never lose sight of that. Mm. Um, but um, 
I'd like to try to, but I get a lot of can we come and visit, and it's just it's just difficult because mm. you know you're you also got a family and a private property and neighbours and so you can't you can't sort of honour all those requests, mm. even though I'd like to. But maybe in the future there might be an avenue for me to. Um, uh, get out more and put out like can we meet somewhere and, mm-hmm. and get together and talk about the similar things rather than you know coming to my property or whatever but I, I think that I try to make as much effort as I can towards subscribers and people that follow me and supporters and I probably would like to do more yeah now from the fans is there one thing that's very popular is like they always ask for and that's very like in terms of a topic you know, lemons, quails. What's the what's the most popular one? Uh, you mean individual videos or yeah, mean, individual or, or areas? Or, uh, yeah, yeah. It's probably growing food. Growing food. That's the most popular. Is uh, fruit and veg growing? Mm. And yeah, I can understand that because uh, everyone likes a nice fresh. Everyone has to eat, mm. and everyone loves nice fresh uh, food. Mm. And the fresher, the better, and organic and it's terribly easy to do as well, mm. even in a small space. Yeah. And um, what's your favourite thing to grow? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Probably tomatoes. Tomatoes, right. Yeah, love them. And they're really good for you. Do you, do you love growing them because you love eating them? Yeah. Mm. Um, yes, I love eating them. Growing them is uh, can be a task in the subtropics, Uh but it's still, you can still grow them. And they're not that easy to grow in the subtropics. But you've got like 20,000 different varieties of tomato. Yeah. And I'm, I'm never going to get through them all. Do you, do you think some people just, uh, you look at them and you think, oh, that person's definitely going to be good at growing that thing. Like that's a, that's a tomato <laughs> farm. Oh, that guy's going to love zucchinis. Like he has to be like, growing zucchinis. And do you look at Fred and say, you're a plant killer? Yeah, yeah. Or, or do you do <laughs> Actually, speaking of which, if you look at us, what, what, what vegetable do you think ant would grow? Like, what would be his specialty, you reckon? Oh, I reckon broccoli. <laughs> because bland. If you look, if you look, not bland. If you look at his... <laughs> Broccoli's brilliant. No, it's very healthy, but bland, very, a very... You're not eating it right. Well, that was more like a visual thing. A, <laughs> oh, right. Upside down head of broccoli. You know, I've tried growing broccoli a number of times. Broccoli. No, I'm trying to... I'm, you know, I'm trying to... Like paint over the top of what Mark is having a massive burn. <laughs> I've never had any luck growing broccoli. Like, it doesn't work for me. It, the, but keep on that. Well, what, what would what would peanut head over here grow? What would I, what would I grow? What kind of vegetable? Well, you could grow peanuts. <laughs> um, that's a difficult crop, though. Yeah, yeah, peanut would be hard. Yeah, it kind yeah. of looks like a Mr. Potato Head. I think. You know, what do you reckon, Mike? What, what do you think I'd be? What would I be growing? <laughs> plum. Fr- I reckon plums. plums. Oh, that'd be excellent. I <laughs> love plums. Do you? Yeah, I love plums. You know, you can eat them green with salt. Yes, yes oh, I you know. Do. We had uh, when, I, when I was young, we had uh, a couple of plum trees, and we ate them green. They were really good with some salt. Not with salt. We had them green. Do you well, need the salt, or is no? Yeah, well, it just makes it probably tasty. not. But yeah, remarkably, the salt takes away the. It's a bit like eating a uh, a lemon or tequila, mm. and you put the salt on it. Sort mm. of counteracts the the sourness. Interesting. I didn't know this, and this is why I love YouTube too. Yeah. Um, because I get so much feedback from supporters and other YouTubers and other gardeners, and one of the guys was Keith. Um, I can't remember his YouTube channel. He doesn't YouTube anymore. But uh, he was in Canada and he said, Mark, you know, have you ever tried green plums? Uh, but you have to have them with some salt. Right. 
And it's not a bad idea because here you've got to net the plums because the fruit fly get them and the bats get them and everything gets them. Yeah. <laughs> but if when they're green, nothing wants to touch them. So you pick them, you can pick them green. And I did. I tried it. I thought this is going to go down bad. Is he having a lend of me? <laughs> Cut them open, sprinkle the salt on it, shut my eyes, down the hatch. It was brilliant. I do that, that all the time now. Oh, wait. So again, so I'm I'm uh, tasty, juicy plums, and is dry, fairly boring broccoli. You are not makes, eating broccoli, make, right? Makes yeah. a lot of sense. I, I, I like it. Yeah. Well, no. Let's be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Happy with broccoli. Uh, I was thinking, like Fred thinks it's a negative. No, I no, think no, it's a positive. I, I, I'm I like down it. with it. Yeah, I like it. It's let's just... make them both positive and both <laughs> negative. I was more going on the sour lines. <laughs> <laughs> but then, no, it's sweet. And you need to and take him with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more, lots of grains of salt. I like that you said that at looks like broccoli rather than gross. <laughs> I think, so if I think Mark misunderstood the question. Imagine uh, a thing of broccoli. That's pretty much what at looks like. <laughs> I don't know where the... Uh, All right. You're cooking some funky broccoli if that's what it looks like me. Next time anyone's eating broccoli, hopefully someone's (laughs) cooking dinner right now. They're like looking at their broccoli and they're like, and? Yeah, they have to turn it that way. (laughs) Stem's got to be up. Stem's got to be up. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, oh, God. Mark, I'm never uh, going to live this one down. We have uh, <laughs> run out of time, but as we finish up, we always ask the same question um, to new, emerging, or even creators doing their thing right now. What are your top tips for them? Top tips would be, well, make sure you're doing content that you actually are passionate about because people will see through that. And that's a common thing that a lot of YouTubers will say, and it's very true. And also, you... Don't necessarily think you have to always project to the niche base. You also got to think about the wider YouTube and and world community. Sometimes think about what videos you can do in your niche that might actually garner the attention of a bigger audience Mm. because that's how you can throw a a wider net out. That's what happened with the, um, not the lemon video, but just this year with the, Scraps in the in the garden. Mm. Um, most of my base liked that video, of course, but then the wider YouTube audience did enjoy it too because it was a, a different thing. What happens when you put scraps in the garden, when you bury them, mm. and then you dig them back up and you wonder what's happened there? Mm. And that appealed to a much wider audience. And those five and a half million people that watched that video, they didn't all subscribe to my channel. Only a fraction did but still a lot of them did. Mm. So just think about that sometimes. Mm. Um, can I expand not just from the niche, but expand it further to a, a thing that might appeal to more people, mm. but still stay true to your channel? Mm. Yeah. Great tip. That's a great point. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thank you. This has been great. Thanks, Mark. I'm, I'm going to try some green plums with uh, some salt and yeah. then stare at a piece of broccoli upside down and see if it's like ants. <laughs> Oh, great. <laughs> Just don't blame me. <laughs> the, uh, I've got no words. <laughs> Anton, I'm impressed. I didn't think of you as broccoli, but now I do, and it's all I can imagine you as, a broccoli with long hair. If you think Ant looks like a, bro- a piece of broccoli with long hair, make sure you uh, let us know on our socials, Creator Generation. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Create a generation. Look on the mic.